Hello everyone and welcome back to episode number three of the Sim Racing In Focus podcast. If you've been with us since the start, thank you for tuning back in once again. Uh, if you're new around here, hopefully you'll subscribe and stick about and enjoy the show. We talk about sim racing as the name suggests, but in particular the Australian iRacing scene. I'm your host Dean Reddit. I'm a owner and editor at a small startup webpage known as simracinginfocus.blog where we bring you some blog style content uh, and also now this podcast. On today's show, we're going to get through our normal weekly drive-bys, look at a few race recaps uh, and a few new leagues kicking off this week. We'll have results from V8 Veterans and East Coast V8 Supercars as usual. Uh, in conjunction with that, we'll also be the first qualification race from the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series. And also the Porsche Tag QR Esports Super Cup got underway on the weekend as well. After all that, we'll cover a little bit of news and we'll also get a chance to talk to a couple of league admin from the Premier Endurance GT3 League. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, we're going to kick off this week with the first round of the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. If you're a little bit like me, you didn't know this one was coming up so soon after the field just got announced last week. But uh, round one went to Daytona International uh, Raceway, so the Roval Circuit. And um, if you haven't had enough of Daytona already, I'm sure the guys that were participating in this event have now. Daytona has been featured quite heavily on iRacing this month obviously there's the rule before the 24 then there was the 24 hour um iRacing special event and then you know these guys are now racing the premier road racing series for iRacing worldwide there as well so no doubt they are probably turning hundreds if not thousands of laps across all those three formats which a lot of them probably did do so there was two races uh, as normal with the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup. It's a it's a sprint race for the first race, which is just eight laps, and then it was a sixteen lap main race. We're tracking just the we're tracking the Aussie drivers and just the race results really from this series. Uh, last year's champion uh, Jordan Caruso, who's also an Australian, he qualified in P fourteen there, start the sprint race, um, and we also had Cooper Webster qualifying in P twenty two. So. Just uh, sort of middle, mid, middle of the pack there for the two guys. Um, uh, pretty safe start, I suppose, for both of them to the season. The sprint race being eight laps was quite chaotic. Um, Jordan managed to keep it out of trouble there, and, and he brought it home in P13, so not a huge shift forward. The top 20 scored points in these um, in these races, though, and there's, there's 40 or 45 cars, so it's quite crucial to keep keep plugging away and staying out of trouble. Uh, Cooper Webster, however, managed to get caught up in a rather large midfield incident there, uh, and he would uh, DNF or finish way out, out of the points. So unfortunate for Cooper there, but you know, Jordan got his season off to a reasonable start. Uh, Luke McEwen uh, won on debut, I believe, 
in that race from Sebastian Job and Gustavo Ariel. Uh, race number two, the main race. Um, again, there was a little bit of drama unfold in this one. Um, the two Aussies would come in basically nose to tail with Cooper Webster coming home in P18 and Jordan Caruso falling down to P19 after running up, up towards, I think he was about 12th or 11th in the race. Just a little spin on the infield there and he dropped way down. So he still did a good job to recover to get inside the points there. I think the main talking point <laughs> from this race was just um, the sheer amount of Red Bull cars that were on the grid or Red Bull affiliated cars. There was um, Oracle Red Bull Racing Esports, which is the team that Cooper does race for. Um, they were linked up with a Max Verstappen Esports and then there was Team Redline who were also sponsored by Red Bull. So there was about 10 to 8 or 10 cars on the grid out of the 40 that were all nursing similar, if not, almost identical Red Bull liveries and uh, Daytona being a large, predominantly an oval or roval, as most of you would know, uh, they just worked together and at times it was actually quite, uh, it was impressive, but it was also just, yeah, there's the, for the people that were just in between them by themselves, they just really got muscled out of the way. So um, interesting tactics. Um, so, it was effective on that circuit. I'm not sure how it'll go on on other circuits going forward, but that's going to be probably a big talking point from round one, and probably something that we'll see how that story evolves. Because I, I I believe there was some some talk about them doing similar tactics inside the 24 hour race. So you know, three teams lining it all up there, and um, you know, they the Sebastian job for Oracle Rebel. Uh, racing esports got the win in the second race um, from Diogo Pinto and Chris Lullum. So, yeah, interesting viewing and uh, something to keep an eye on there uh, moving forward. We'll jump on now to the Logitech G Pro Invitational Series where we had round one of the qualifi uh, qualifying series. This was about a 49 lap race around Road Atlanta, um, 95 Sim Sports, Griffin Gardner. Put it on pole position uh, to start the race. Um, Griffin would lead, I think it was about 39 laps of this race, so really did all the heavy lifting. Um, but, you know, having a former champion in there, coming out of starting on P2, Jared Philsell just bided his time very well at that track and, and was able to save up the fuel that would net him an overcut in the end. So... It's good to see overcut still effective these days, but um, yeah, he did it to perfection. Got out with about you know maybe a second on Griffin Gardner. Um, he'd obviously hold on for the last ten laps, although it was close. Griffin come right back. I think it was two tenths the finishing margin there in the end. Back to Griffin, and then it would wouldn't have been much different. Back to Job Stewart from Altus Esports, who was looking quite racy then. So that those three really really controlled that race and it, it was six seconds back uh, towards the end of the race there to Forza and Nabi. Um, not a whole lot of other information coming out of the race. A few little broadcast issues, and but we picked up what we could. But that that's the first race solid there. Um, 
So the boys turning in some good results. Uh, like I did see that um, Richard Hamstead, uh, Richard Hamstead from Trans Tasman Racing, was running pretty solid most of the race. Picked up a bit of a pit lane, I think, penalty there. Um, he's a big name that's fallen down as a result of that pit lane. One that you would probably expect to see come the start of round one for the Logitech G Pro Invitational. So, you know, he's got a bit to do, but I'm sure he will. Um, he'll get some recovery done in the next couple of rounds, but see whether he can get all the way back. Moving on to the East Coast, they also went to Road Atlanta. So we see the series deviate from the iRacing official calendar for the first time here, mainly to match up with the Logitech G Pro Invitational round, I, I'm assuming. Um, as it has been pretty much all season, James Scott claimed pole position for the race before he would go on and secure another win by three or four seconds over his teammate Dylan Rudd and Jordan Ross from Synergy Sim Racing. So, uh, yet the East Coast, James Scott has got a stranglehold. That's five from five races, I believe. So we're through four rounds, but five races. Um, so really controlling that series. Um, Dylan Rudd would probably be there, thereabouts in second spot. And you know, first time Jordan Ross was seeing him with his best performance of the season so far. That's a wrap on East Coast. Uh, the V8 veterans were at Sonoma. Scotty Gamble, once again, I think he goes back to back on pole positions. Uh, this was actually a, a cracker of a race. Uh, a really good, really good battle up front. Uh, many cars there for, for a long part of the race before uh, we ended up with a final battle pack of about four or five cars and and they were interchanging positions right right up to the end of the race but um scotty gamble would would manage to fight his he did he didn't go from start to finish he did fall down a little bit but he managed to recover and and claim the race victory uh, over michael taliancic from alter Sports australia and also darren lobb from uh, dpr so another podium there for darren and uh, we see michael back onto the podium again for v8 veterans so so that's how round number seven of the V8 veterans finished. Um, the results seen a return to the top of the table for Michael Taliancic. Uh, he holds a slender five-point lead over Ken Ladder. And it's, it's about a further 80 points back to Matt Van der Kran in P number three. So a uh, good, tight season unfolding here for the V8 veterans. That is going to wrap up our races from iRacing week number eight. And now it's time for a little bit of news. Okay, not a whole lot of news going on today, this week. Um, couple of minor updates we touched on the femtech situation last week regarding their pre-order products and the delays that are coming out of there um not a whole lot of new information going on there but i did see that uh will from boosted media is planning on sit down and a catch up with members of fanatech so hopefully they'll be able to provide um some good information regarding where their products are at and whether those people that have have paid for 
the pre-order are going to get their products anytime soon, I'd suggest that that is still relatively unknown. <laughs> I'm, I'm speculating, but uh, as far as PR might be concerned, I, I yeah, I, I don't think they'll be. It is, it, I think you can expect that they will be pointing fingers at Sony and, and, and unable to update anyone any further until Sony um, gets them the right licensing. And, you know, maybe that well is the case that it's Sony holding it up. We can certainly you hear stories about developers and stuff trying to get updates through, and it's a long process with both Sony and Microsoft. So, um, you know, it might, might well be the case, but unfortunately it doesn't mean the consumers are getting what they paid for. Uh, and, uh, yeah, unfortunate again, but it's something we've seen quite a lot with sim racing products. Unfortunately, uh, I know I had my own personal experience where I was, I was, uh, not a fan of tech product and not another distributor waiting up to nine months. So I certainly don't think that's going to be the case for the Fenotech consumers, but it's something we just see too, all too often. Um, so an interesting thing to look into there at some point, I would, I'd imagine. Uh, we got an update again on Le Mans Ultimate. So this is back to episode one where we talked briefly about motorsport games and how uh, they had a rather big fall from grace over 2023. Um, and certainly early 2024, but you know, they're looking, there's some, at least some positive, uh, information coming out about a, a title release going into, you know, we're only a couple of ways, the, a couple of weeks away, sorry, they, they're talking mid February. So look, look like once again, looks okay. And there was a little bit more footage in this update than just a, just the Toyota around Le Mans. So, um, yeah, it's building up. It's one to keep an eye on if there's any uh, WEC fans out there um, or you're just looking for a general break from my racing or something like that. Yeah, it could be worth a gander, but once again, I'd definitely be waiting to see what this is like come release day, not pre-ordering this one. It's just, yeah, it's just cautious. Yeah, caution really. Um, hopefully they've stabilized things there and, and that's going to be okay. That product, um, wouldn't be a bad little change up from my racing there. That one, some other major talking points from the week's probably been all the reviews that are now flowing out from the Simagic GT Neo. I'm rather pleased to see them because I do actually have a pre-order on these. <laughs> so, um, seeing those drop, it, it's good because you, you, are reassuring, you're reassured that there's a product there at least. Um, and you know, we're not waiting for any license signed off or, or anything like that. So that's looking good. Super excited for that. Um, I just seen, you know, a few Aussie distributors, sim rigs talking about maybe first week in March. So I know definitely we, when we pre-ordered, they were talking February, but I think probably first week in March is probably realistic. It looks like that where we are situated on the world, we're going to get things last compared to everyone else. So yay. Yay for being Australian. That That's what we get. Um, we're the last in line or furthest away. So yeah, but nevertheless, that's going to be a really good product, I think. Um, and certainly for the, for the price point, it's one to look at if you are in the market for a GT3 or a GT3 rim. Or are you looking at a rim that can be, you know, 
it's compatible with a lot of different bases. So yeah, very excited by that. So, yeah, not a whole lot of news this week, just more updates on some of the stuff that we've already talked about. So um, yep, we'll look into news for next week and whether we can get uh, anything more in depth. Um, we are a sim racing podcast, but you know, if you're in Australia and and you obviously we cover cover a lot of V8 supercars on the podcast, uh, there's a lot happening in the real world V8 supercars, which doesn't bode well for the 2024 season so we might try and cover that uh if there's not a whole lot of news as far as sim racing is concerned next week okay that'll do our weekly drive-bys for this week it's time now that we dive into this week's interview on the show tonight we've got two guys that are at the head of the premier endurance league which is a relatively new league to uh gt cars in australia it's probably been going a bit over 12 months now but it started out with the GT3 league. Um, the guys have built it into a GT4 league now as well. And they've had an interesting uh, venture into league ownership. So this one's an interesting one for people out there that might be considering uh, what it's like to run a league. And certainly when we get into the conversation with Jimmy Middleton and Rick Provenzali, you can soon work out how dedicated you need to be to run a a a, a well structured league, and these guys are rele- uh, I guess relentless in their approach, and also really pragmatic in the way that they are looking to move an iRacing league into uncharted territory. So this is an interesting one. Uh, we're deviating away from the V8 supercar this week and into some GT stuff. So hopefully you'll enjoy this one and, and get a good perspective on what it's like to run an iRacing league. Okay, on tonight's episode of the Sim Racing in Focus podcast, we're changing things up a little bit, moving on from the V8 supercar and moving into the GT3 series, which is fast approaching. Um, we've got two people here from the Premier Endurance League uh, tonight to come on to discuss all things uh, league admin. Um, our first guest, Ricky Provenzali. A.K.A. John Rick, A.K.A. Sticky Rick, A.K.A. Sticky Ricky. <laughs> Hi, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, thanks, mate. Good. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, I know. Well, I can't claim it. That one may have come from a guest comment. Uh, again, yeah. a fan of the podcast, um, Jacob Packett lost years. I'm not sure if you, you're familiar with that guy. Say, I could probably guess who. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, once I got... Uh, Jimmy Middleton as well. So, Jimmy, you you must be the um, you must be the pretty face behind this whole this whole league. Yeah, I am. I don't put my picture up because it put Rick to shame and make him feel insecure. So, <laughs> just on and uh, uh, Packets actually forgot one. Rick coined himself a new nickname on the weekend, which is Punt and Run Provenzale. <laughs> wow. 
Wow, it's things escalated. <laughs> yeah, it started. Oh, it's it started early. Probably need to have a chat with Leith about that one. Yeah, <laughs> and myself, but oh, you know, I'm sure he's well, got plenty was, to say. Yeah, I was going to call you Slim Jim, but yeah, after you you driving on the weekend, Ricky, yeah. it's, it, it's not an appropriate name for you. <laughs> I just made that mark as wide as I could. <laughs> All right. Well, look, tonight, hopefully, what we're going to try and get from you guys is obviously a little bit of insight into the Premier Endurance League and, and um, I guess, how it's evolved really early on. It's it, it, What would it be, maybe 12 to 18 months old now, Premier Endurance League? Yeah, mate. Um, I've, Rick might correct me here, but we actually raced together in, a, um, in another league, and that's where we sort of met each other, and then... Um, that turned into let's do the Spa 24 race together and I mean hopefully he's put me on mute for a minute but he's pretty quick behind the wheel and I'm not <laughs> not quite at the same level as he is with it and I said oh, yeah, I don't want to be holding you boys up and, nah, 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 don't worry about that so we sort of got through the 24 hour and um, afterwards said it'd be bloody good if there was like an endurance league in uh, Australia because there wasn't much going and I mean all the official races as you know are about 40 minutes at the best so yeah you get the odd yeah the three hour on the Saturday nights and whatnot but we wanted something a bit more um a bit more regular and you know single driver sort of focused so that's sort of where it all started okay so it's just <laughs> born out of a, a random a team event that you guys knew um so Rick, you and Jimmy obviously knew each other prior to the league starting then? Yeah. Um, it, there are a number of um, contributing factors early on uh, as to how it came to be and, and why we ended up doing what we've done. Um, you know, we'd be here forever to go through them all, but yeah, we just um, seen a bit of a gap that we felt that was lacking and needed to be filled. Um, some of the, you know, the extended type endurance races, uh, as you know, can be um, difficult to be able to, to host and also, um, you know, to, to pay for. You know, that's cut to the point here. It's very expensive, that type of stuff. So we sought out something that we thought would be a, a good compromise and would somewhat replicate what people would encounter uh, when they would go into these other types of races, which was normally at the time the fashion was you'd do a double stint. Yep. Um, tires and fuel and everything like that, and away you went. Um, well, excuse me, tires were the reason why we did the double. Those days, you um, you change them every every second round. Um, so we thought, well, you know, that um, that sounds great. And then you bring in the reduced fuel limit, uh, a few other you know little factors, tools a safety car, and um, you got yourself a pretty good formula. And yeah, it, it's obviously seemed to work quite well. Everyone enjoys it. Um, Vimy and myself have, have worked well together and um, formed a great partnership that seems to be somewhat balanced. Um, and it's been great fun, you know, up until this point. Uh, we've been extremely busy and we've been enjoying ourselves the whole way through. You know, it's all gone so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah. let's break it down. So what I'm hoping to do in this episode is we'll go right back to the beginning. Um and just sort of have a bit of back and forth because what I'd like these episodes to be is also, you know, if there's somebody out there that's listening in that has league, uh, sort of 
you know, desire to start a league that they might actually be able to get or have some learnings from you guys along the way that what you've encountered. So you've, and then we'll obviously build up to, um, the launch of GT3 season, which will be commencing, um, on the weekend following this podcast, when this one gets released, um, you've already gone out with the GT4 series, but we won't jump into that just yet. We'll cover that later on. Um, so I think happy for you guys to both answer, um, and I'll throw it off to one at a time, um, with these questions, but if we jump back right back to the first season um give us some insight what uh, about the planning and the format of that first season um and how you sort of strategy it you know you briefly just touched on it before about how you wanted the series to replicate a double stint and you had all you know tires and fuel in mind um was there much more else to it in that first season or does that sum it up quite well um, there, there was actually i put failure at the start okay because it, it wasn't just, we, we didn't just um, come in and have a, a successful fair season straight off the bat. We initially wanted to do uh, like, a, like a big ticket item and we, we spent, oh, it was a couple of months, wasn't it, planning to do a 10-hour yeah. um, event at Suzuka and we were going to put you know, big cash prizes and get a broadcast and the race, blah, 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 all the fruit. And um, we had very little take up on it and you know we were offering a thousand bucks for first place and wow. I thought I could not see us not being able to get the cars we needed for it and there was just next to nobody interested and I think a lot of that was probably just lack of uh well no one knew who we were we were asking a bit uh, per car entry but mm -hmm. I, th I think that maybe sort of turned them away, you know, handing over cash to a, a couple of blokes who have got nothing, have done nothing in that space leading up to it. And in the end, we sort of trimmed it back and thought, well, we can't, you know, we're not getting the, the buy-in for a um, for a 10-hour. So we sort of thought, well, we'll just shorten it. And we did it. We ended up doing a two-hour and what did we have? We heard it was about 12 cars on the grid for that first one. Uh, from the middle, I think we were probably about 15. 15, yeah, 15 yeah. guys for a bit of a test run. We had it race controlled, but that was, um, it was pretty much after that. that we, uh, we got 15 on that one, and then did we go to Brands for the second race? Yeah, yeah. And I reckon we, yeah, it went up to about 20, 22 or 25 in that race, and it sort of grew from there, but. It took us, um, I think we, we had did spar three or four. Yeah, well. we did spar as well. Yeah. yeah. We did three or four races and sort of got a, got a bit of a following and then went into the season and yep, so started out with about 30. So, yeah. yeah. So this was, these were like standalone races where they more so. Oh, yeah. 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 Still following that sort of two hour race, monthly race, month in between races. That's it. It might've been a little bit shorter between events back then, but, um, yeah, and then I think we launched the sort of the back half of. I'm getting lost in the years now. <laughs> yeah, I think it was 2022. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When Turn we on. when we set out initially to do what we wanted to do, it, it was plain and simple. It was, it was naivety and it's lack just... of information. 
Um, we certainly hadn't structured ourselves as much as what we needed to and uh, got ourselves uh, educated in all the right areas. Um, after we, we did flop, um, a number of things changed and one of them was the uh, formalization really regards to what's going on for our uh, promotional type material, uh, the admin side um rules you know things like that we realized that we needed to lift it up a level and yep. we decided we were going to lift it up you know as high as we could um aiming at the particular type of uh drivers that we wanted into the uh to the category uh, again you know obviously having a three and a half or two, at that time it was a three thousand ir cap um a lot of this is built around you know that sort of um person's ability mm -hmm. um so yeah a lot of things changed um, we realized again that we really needed to um change a few things and uh, we both spent a lot of time um picking out the things that we felt where everyone else had failed yeah and uh, we tried to work out why what was behind it why didn't it work you know and eventually excuse me go on I was just going to say, because it, it's an interesting point, because you see a lot of leagues come in and their idea might be good, whether it's a, you know, we talk about whole, like, obviously the V8 supercar in Australia is quite well covered, or well covered mm. in terms of league racing, but you have, you know, I've heard it mentioned in other conversations, other podcasts, you know, why can't we establish an, a, a series with a different class here that has the same attraction to everyone like the v8 supercar does and you know these listening to you guys talk about how you had to have those failures in the beginning is is exactly what i'm trying to get out of you guys in terms of you know this is the important this is the learnings that people that are looking to start a league need to know about because you see a lot come in with the with yeah a lot of them can like i said before can be great ideas and then they go straight into a 12-week season they might want to charge 10, 20 bucks up front and they just get no take up on the league. And, and then all of a sudden, before they've even really run a, run a season, the league's gone off their iRacing. Off the iRacing. There's a number of contributing factors that we found amongst the, the, the research that we had done. Um, and we're not willing to, you know, go into every little bit you know, how our framework is set up, but um, it is extensive. Um, it is far beyond what people would initially think. Yep. Um, and again, our, our goals are probably a little bit higher than what we would normally see from some of the average guys just wanting to get something together, you know, domestically, have a bit of fun, whatever. Um, so that's something that has to be factored in. But um, yeah, we noticed that there was a, a number of things that can bring things apart. Uh, we all know generally what the main ones are, you know, generally... Um, issues in regards to social media you know types of things uh, people conflicting with each other whatever whatever it is um admin collapsing mm -hmm. internal politics whatever's going on there particularly for whatever reason and probably somewhat related to that at times is the financial side of things it's just about to say you're leaving out the big one and that's the yeah. finance yeah, it's all um, about you know sorry go on jimmy no no that's all right i was gonna say it was we um we pretty much floated the till for, I want to say, probably like the first nine to twelve months of the league. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't actually making any money, but 
because we were sort of seeing um we were seeing a bit of growth we just sort of we thought we'll just keep at it and we'll get it to a point where it's actually paying for itself to to operate and that's it's it's quite stressful um going through that when you're just chucking dollars at it and uh you're sort of hoping for the best. I think that also drives you as well to make sure it succeeds. But yes, when you've got your when you've got your own money involved in mm-hmm. it, and you know, there's you just got to be willing to accept that you might not ever get that back. Um, that that sort of drives you a bit more, and um, I can see and understand why a lot of them fall over in that space because yeah. it's easy to just go, you know, what I've just burnt five hundred dollars on all this and. It's just Some not doing it, so we'll just give it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The amount of expense actually involved. Uh, well, that's let's get into that because I think when you having been involved in a few leaks, you see a bit of a disconnect between the driver that needs to uh, stump up the entry fee and then their his or her expectation is what they're going to receive back from that. Um, but you know, you could probably just rattle off, you know. A, a, a few things, you know, obviously broadcast is probably one of the biggest drains well, on the... Yeah, you've got your broadcasters, your commentators. Commentators, um, race control. see guys, yeah. Safety car drivers. Um, and people serve, that are included. Serve a time too. Yeah, serve yeah, time. As well, it all, it all adds up, especially when, you, especially when you're living in humble old Australia and you're having to pay for everything in American dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very quickly doubles, but... Yeah, because it's an interesting thing um, that, you know, we have sim racing, like we did start broad here, uh, sim racing is a cost. Um, people enter in and you can just, you can, you can participate just as, you know, in iRacing, it might just be in the official series, but then um, we've had this interesting development where the game itself is also now creating opportunities for other people to earn money, whether that be... Um, you know, the elite people obviously get uh, money through prize money, but then you also have people that started up their own broadcasting studios, um, obviously doing commentary, people that are selling off services for, for race control, people that are paints, you name it. Everyone's created a spinoff now on on iRacing itself, so that would be, we call them third-party costs. So, that's, yeah. That's yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's building that that economy within this community. And that's what you want to see. You want to see the growth and allow it to be able to sustain jobs. You know, get people in here, get people, you know, working within the industry and, and having it grow and grow and grow to the point where it can sustain more. And, and this, just, you know, where does it stop? Um, it's obviously the, the big dream of most people that are involved with this. We want to see it get to a point where it's, um, you know, that big that most people generally are aware of it. You know, some people aren't even aware of sim racing. It's um, <laughs> it's crazy to think that when you you've had so much exposure in relation to other stuff on TV and whatnot, especially during COVID. Um, yeah, it's a great thing to see that there are people here that are, um, are getting amongst it and creating jobs not only for themselves but for other people. Yep. And, 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 yeah. yeah, and and they and this is what I like to do is talking to these people that are raising that bar where um, it's very easy to come in and think it's a, think it's a, 
it's a rec- it can be a recreation and a game, but you have people that are looking to push it beyond that and, yeah. and into something that is almost a product that um, attracts eyes and 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 sponsor dollars and everything like that. So it, it's fa- I find it really interesting to talk to people that are doing that, and, and certainly that's that's you guys definitely. Um, and you know, okay, so we so we've, we've had a few failings to start off with. Um, yeah, certainly the point that I'm, I I joined in to participate um, in the full, I guess it was the full first season. Um, let's cover off that full first season because it, it at least appeared to the outside person or the participant that it was really, really, really successful in terms of big grids, big participation, good coverage. You guys also broke out into like the YouTube market with like you were doing and you still do a lot of um, shorts, which was quite unique for Elite to be doing that. And I think they were quite popular amongst everyone. So, um, yeah, talk about that experience from, from we'll get yeah, both it was great. Yeah. You know, once we learned those lessons from the initial uh, individual events that we'd had, yeah, we progressed into the, um, the first season and promoted it and it just, you know, it exploded. Um, people were loving it. Um, we were overwhelmed really, you know, thinking, oh, wow, you know, um, we need to quickly put systems in place further that can deal with this sort of volume. And we realized what was going to happen. So we moved on through season one with that success and we progressed into, um, again, a more formal situation where things are, um, you know, hopefully better and better and better. Um, our systems in place now again are able to deal with a larger volume uh it's very efficient all the processes are very refined and uh yeah we get into season two and uh, basically a, a similar circumstance everyone loves it not long off now into season three yeah. and what, um, what, did you remember anything jimmy specifically about season one that you know I, did, yeah i remember but everyone absolutely loved it um but for myself like the, probably we didn't really touch on it that much just before but one thing i don't think that a lot of people i, I mean I'm, i was one of them didn't sort of factor in was the actual the time involvement um mm-hmm. from the admins to actually make this all work and yeah we had a lot Rick and I, we've been at each other's throat a couple of times and given each other <laughs> shit, but it's like, that's all part of a partnership. And, you know, we both know where we stand with one another and we can do that without it, it getting out of control. But there's, if I look through my little phone log history, I'd suggest that since we started this, there's, if not one, at least, at least two calls a day, um, on the phone, just balling ideas or working out what we're doing or where we're going or what we've got to do and you know meetings with the the commentators the broadcasters the race controllers the safety car driver yeah there's there's so much behind it and by the end of the season we were both getting pretty burnt out by it but then like i said to it was after our first season i reckon like we just we were pretty gassed from it and but seeing the reactions from um, all the guys who competed in it and say, yeah, that, that was like, awesome and all the rest of it, that sort of did make it a bit easier to, yeah, and at that time could sort of look back at it rather than 
being so tunnel vision on getting it running and making sure it went smoothly. So um, yeah, yeah, put us on a little bit, kept us going. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you run certainly when a, a, a customer, so me the customer, looking through like uh, Discord and things, you run it very streamlined where uh, Ricky's doing a lot of the communication, and most people are aware that Jimmy's there assisting. But yeah. um, talk about let's talk about how we had the, the standalone races there at the start. What did the admin team look like at that point in time? Was it just yourselves? And then how did that expand into season one? Because imagine going <laughs> off a lot of what Ricky was saying about how underprepared you were with those first couple of races. It probably involved swelling that admin team to help you get into the actual first successful season. A very long and complicated story, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Very maybe just start with the size of the team. Uh, Jimmy, do you want to take this one? <laughs> oh, there was, there was there was me, Rick, and one of the other boys. I, I don't know whether I should name him or not. You don't have to. But um, no, no, no. So he'll know who he is. And um, at the when we were trying to get the ten hour going, um, I I was actually off work. I reckon at that time, and. Um, just thinking every spare minute of my day into it and uh rick was doing the same and we were all sort of pushing it but nothing we just weren't getting any traction with anything and um yeah i'll, I'll wear it because it was was more me it was um the the other fella sort of uh, yeah probably was a bit time poor and i got i got frustrated with it but it felt like I was thinking, yeah, you know, ten to fourteen hours a day, like with advertising and trying to make posters and working all this stuff out. And like Rick, Rick was giving us a hand with it as well, but we just weren't getting anywhere with it. And then yeah. we sort of, to an extent, sort of parted ways with the other lad. And uh, then it was just, yeah, it was just Rick and I. And but we've gotten to a point as we've gone where the the success of it it's we 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 sort of pretty quickly realized that we need you know, not with the bulk of the stuff but just the little bits um we needed assistance with so we had yeah you know, one of the drive one of the drives like we outsourced yeah. a lot of stuff so um, it's it's, in, it's very important for time management and efficiency because if you try and overwhelm yeah. yourself yeah it's we never just didn't have work. time yeah, and you, have you, a end look up, around. you end up resenting doing it. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I, I would love could... to be able to outsource the editing of this podcast, for example. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I edit all the reels together, and to make you know, sort of eleven minutes of video takes about three and a half hours. By the time you've you've found it, clipped it, and cut it, so I, I feel your pain. I know, I know yeah. how that goes. But yeah, we just. Well, it, Sorry, there's, there's the, the beauty of the like, there's plenty of blokes in there that are willing to give us a hand with stuff if we if we yeah if we do need it and I think they also know that if we're asking them it's because we 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 need them it's not um not just for shits and giggles that we ask them to do stuff so but you yeah, know making round posters and um Bonds have done a sensational job with uh, the the end of the round the the podium finishes. Posters that have just started for GT4. Lease as well. All, Lease McClellan. All, all those little things. Yeah. All those yeah. little things, um, they add up to hours that 
of is hours of stuff that Rick and myself don't have to do where so we can focus on the other stuff. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, we're, we're managing the whole lot. Um, and again, I think people will probably be surprised just how extensive it can be and how much there is to do. Um, and again, you know, it, it comes back to one of the things that is part of our initial, you know, research. And, you know, you hear this a lot lately, but it's, it's all about long-term sustainability. Whatever you put in place must be capable of extending the time. Um, and, and this includes and into that as well that we both have full time jobs and kids. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> to try and, and you need to make that. sure, yeah, that everything, um, that all the processes involved and things like that, you know, pre race, post race, whatever, um, is being dealt with in the most efficient way possible. And a lot of the times, you have to get to the point where you have to outsource stuff, and you're still overseeing it. And this is the thing; it still costs you a lot of your time, but it's a little bit less, yeah. a little bit less stress. Um, and, and you mentioned the role, how important social media and everything is in, in terms of getting that recognition for the series and the participation age. up. So, so you've got, so you, you have a lot of guys that, that did maybe after the first season come to you and say, Hey, I'd be interested in, in, in helping you out. Or did you have to sort of seek them out? No, um, I, I'm, I think the pair of us pretty much leaned on, um, sort of our closer friends that are within the league. <laughs> to to give us a hand, um, probably we stubbornness on both for of their time. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah, it's probably They're, stubbornness um, on our part that we waited as long as we did to do it. But yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as we go along here, then yeah, by not mean. much really. Most of it is all ourselves. Yep. Um, but yeah, things like the trophies, um, a lot of the posters, um. Uh, other bits and pieces in between uh, most of it you know is again ourselves but yeah without these other guys it, mate it's almost impossible and unless you're going to have a five or six man admin team it, it's very difficult yeah um, so we found it just doesn't work <laughs> that's how things break down yeah yeah there's yeah. you're managing you the more admin can Definitely be helpful, but it can also be more politics, as I'm sure Absolutely. you guys yeah. <laughs> yeah. really well aware. Muddy, muddy the water. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So awesome. So really, really successful first season. Um, moving into sort of the second season and your plans and your goals for what the league could be. Sort of had a big skyrocket. Um, the introduction of the GT4 series come in, and there was also ventures into running the league overseas which is I, I i mean i'm not across everything but it might be a first for me to know <laughs> that I, that there's been a sort of a australian league then try and place a series also um in europe i believe it was or uk so yes talk about maybe talk about like the build up <laughs> launching that series and and how the idea come about and uh okay. yeah, we'll, we'll go on from there it's a bit of a sad story really um coming yeah. off the the amount of hype from season one. Um, you know, we, we, our first round was shaping up to be massive. Um, I kind of recall the amount of cars that were on the grid. I, I'm pretty sure it was um, probably 50 was plus. I remember it was 50, a junior. Yeah, 55, I reckon it was. Yeah. Mm. Um, this, is, this, this is this. So the 55 car grid, GT3 yeah. Australia? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we, and we had a couple of blokes from Europe um, racing 
in our league here. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, well, Rick, you can take it. Yeah. Well, look, initially, like we do this for Australia, um, as you, a lot of you people are aware, we had a failure with our broadcasts. Um, there were issues with SDK, um, which unfortunately was related to the league itself within iRacing, um, which was unable to be corrected. So we were basically to the point where, you know, we couldn't work out the issue at that time and we, we tried a few things and we thought we had a right and we had two of them fail. Um, and now with the round one, you know, that was a massive hit for us. Uh, that, that had a ripple effect that goes, again, far beyond what most people would realise. And um, that was a massive kick in the guts. Um, but we managed to pull it all together and, and, and do what we could in regards to highlights videos and things like that. <laughs> um, getting our crew to, you know, sort out what they could for the boys. And, uh, yeah, you know, season two uh, eventually was fine. At the same time, yeah, we decided to release the UK um, series. We'd had... Um, again, like Jimmy mentioned, a few people that were racing from the European region and, um, a couple in particular, they expressed, you know, their interest in having this overseas. Um, and as a lot of people are aware, our ambitions from the beginning had been to spread as an international league. So we thought, well, you know, this could be um, a great opportunity to establish something. Um... We um, we were under the impression circumstances were different uh, as we were going into it, and unfortunately, due to you know many contributing factors, it, it just wasn't successful. Um, I, I feel that we weren't mobilised enough um, and in the right way, you know, to to make it happen. Um, it was probably a bit premature, um, also probably on my side. Um, Jimmy did initially advise against it, but. Um, once we had received the information we thought was, um, you know, verifying what we thought we could achieve, um, we proceeded forward and then obviously, yeah, not successful. So, um, two rounds into the season, um, after, you know, many attempts to try and resolve everything, uh, we decided to, um, tell all the we competitors, had to pull, we had to pull the pin yeah, yeah, we pulled the pin and, um, you know. It is what it is. We we'll, we'll go back and have a go another day. Um, it, it was a great experience for us, and it taught us a lot, um, especially in regards to how different the environment is over there within the sim racing community. Uh, well, it, it is, yeah, yeah, and and that's you. Know, I asked the question not to not to try and uncover <laughs> painful events for you guys, but it's, <laughs> oh, it's, right. it, 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 like this is the thing. It, it, it's you're trying to move it into unexplored territory and, you know, whether it be the leagues, um, or, or, or other things, you know, quite often they're setbacks before you actually succeed. And I think that's sort of that's the right. of the conversation. Um, I, I think it was Nicky Louder actually that said, you, know, you you learn more from your failures than you do from your victories. And that's pretty, uh, pretty concise and accurate, I think. For, yeah. For and, us. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And and like uh, I think you know you guys have the determination to succeed that'll sustain those setbacks. So um, you know backing your series, um, yeah, and, and whether you do reform and go again, it, it's it, it's a good ad- like it's a good attitude towards it. And 
you know, you can see that these are the traits that maybe are missing from other startup leagues that that see them crash and burn at the first the first attempt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You just yeah, resilience and one that you need to have to do it. You got animosity. Yeah, you've you've mm. got to love you've got to love sim racing as well because if you're only sort of half in half out with it, you, you're definitely not gonna you're not gonna go far because you, you you need that the passion, you know. Yeah, you want to, you have the need to want to bring this to the sim racing community. You know, there's people out there sometimes that have got their interests in the wrong place, and uh, that can be another reason why they fail. You know, there's um, yeah, there's a balance to be struck with everything, and we feel that sometimes they just don't quite get that right for whatever reason. But yeah, you've really got to um, enjoy it, you know, yep. and, um, and be genuinely. Wanting to see the, the sim racing community in Australia and elsewhere um, grow again, you know, become something that can uh, sustain jobs and things like that, and see more leagues, you know, mm-hmm. want to see these guys, you know, do their things, um, you know, and there are a lot of lessons to be learned. Unfortunately, it will take time, and not everyone will succeed. But I wish the best of luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, I, I think I've got one more question as as a bit of a brain picky. Thing for for anyone that is thinking about starting leagues, you know, there's not and much of a brain to pick on. Rick. <laughs> I'll do any of those. I think we might just end it on a on a lighter note and, and look forward to the the launch of the GT3 season. Um, like one thing that certainly Rick is got um, in in the industry that I work in, we call them soft skills, and that's the, the ability to sort of handle conflict or. Um, um, you know, let's just say how how you go about handling aggravated drivers. <laughs> so, as a league admin, I mean, you guys have done you've put things in place where you you have a, certainly in the past an independent race control from yourself, but that never makes that never always makes the drivers just not aim up on you guys as well regarding race decisions and things like that. But um, you know. Talk a little bit about how it, is those soft skills, Rick and, and Jimmy, if you're doing this as well, talking to these guys, all these drivers, those soft skills, is that they always been with you or is that something that you've learned from these three or four seasons where maybe you weren't handling it as well in the beginning, but now you've formulated a method because, you know, that is a huge part of ensuring that your league stays successful is, it, I suppose, if drivers feel like they're getting heard. Um, about their concerns and let's face it most people have got differing opinions on one incident like it, it's not always going to be black and white but yeah I guess talk a little bit about how you might have you might have um, evolved in that sense when it comes to handling that type of conflict I think we've been pretty much the same the whole way through it we've the we sort of flip and flip and turn like with a good cop get bad cop routine <laughs> Because I'll get absolutely infuriated by something and Rick will do the same. And the first person we go to about it is each other. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's our business. And it's usually one or the other of us, we're, we're either de-escalating the other one or vice versa. Um, Look, well, ultimately, we, we just wanted, we just wanted something that we both wanted to be in, well, that we both... If we weren't running this league, this is a league that we'd want to be part of. 
And mm-hmm. we just sort of keep going with that. But I think Rick's probably got the diplomacy thing a bit better than me. I think that's probably <laughs> the extra extra five or six years that I've got on him and my tolerance is a little bit slimmer than his might be. But <laughs> yeah. Um, it's definitely a two-man operation to do, to handle a lot of that sort of stuff. Yeah, you're right. It really is. Um, and I think too many can make it harder as well. Um, excuse me. Um, look, when this, my theory is, if you are having to address, um, mediate or, you know, discipline drivers often, regularly, you're probably not doing your job right to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you're also not putting the right people in the right place yeah. to manage all that is yeah. probably the other key. Um, as you're aware, our social media, uh, rule set is, um, pretty stringent. Um, there are things in place that minimize this sort of, um, uh, occurrence, you know, whether it be on track or off track. Yeah. Um, on track, they're under very strict instructions. You know, the radio is only for communicating with RC or to show courtesy to another driver. I thank you. I'm left. I'm right. Whatever's necessary to convey that information is fine. Being minimalistic again, allowing them to do their job efficiently because tying up the radio channels is something we don't want. Uh, language, um, other types of behavior that unfortunately we have encountered once, you know, in the past. Um, that's strictly zero tolerance. There, there yeah. is no, you know, a leeway with regards to that. And they all know that. Um, and it's conveyed in a way where we like to think that we, we gain their respect. It, it's firm, but it is fair. And we will always make sure that it's like that. And these guys, you know, uh, they feel that and they know that and they respond to that well, and they show the respect to us and to the other drivers. Um, in regards to the off track stuff. Um, that is something that, again, is a major thing in regards to leagues um, having fallout within. It needs to be addressed straight away. Yeah. Um, all our social media stuff is heavily monitored, very closely monitored. Uh, we're aware of everything that's going on. If we're not, we, we very soon will be. Um, yeah. And there are things in place to, again, rules and other things to uh, in place that do it. Make sure that these guys um, don't get themselves into any of those situations. Yeah, debates and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, and arguments and things. Um, they're not for the general um, chat areas and things like that. They can do that in their own direct channel um, between themselves if they want to um, yep. get in a heated debate or something. So yeah, it's it, in regards to the approach. Um, I've always um, myself personally. I don't think I've ever had a, a drama in the past with dealing with any of it. Um, it. It can be difficult at times because you, you do want to, um, again, make sure that you're making the best decisions at the time and things like that and making sure that everything's fair uh, and logical in regards to the overall goal that you're trying to achieve. Um, and look, look, again, these guys, you know, I like to think that we're one of the leagues out there that are probably more fortunate than others. They're pretty good on track and they're pretty good off track. Yeah. There hasn't been too many times that we've had to step in. You kind of create, done the hardest part, which is you, I think you created an environment or a culture with the core base drivers. They know 
they know all about the tolerances and the expectations. And, and now you're really dealing with probably your new drivers or your, your, dueling, your extreme circumstances are now your are your drivers that are giving you those types of things, those types of problems. So you, you've got a good core base of drivers there that really know how to that's line. one thing we, we, we've been, we've actually had discussions about how lucky we are in that regard. There's mm, been, great yeah, there's no one's not seen anyone intentionally binning others and, you know, like so many leagues, they fall over from people driving like dickheads, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and <laughs> it just, it ruins the experience for everyone. Um, but. All, all our guys, they all race hard, but they all race fair. And occasionally you'll get one that's not agreeing with a decision that's gone against them, but that's pretty, pretty rare that that's going on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're very fortunate in that, in that regard. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty good summary of that. We can move into probably something more, a bit more lighthearted now, I would say, but it's, <laughs> I, I just find it like this. You know, when you, when you take up these types of roles, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's little glory and there's a lot of, um, Bang. contentious, <laughs> yeah, contentious <laughs> things that you do deal with, which, you know, we're talking about a, we're talking about a sim or, a, or, you know, some people a game and, and you're dealing with all these things, which, you know, would be a rather skilled person in the workforce that deals with all these types of conflict resolution and planning and. And, and management of other people. And, and so there's a lot more to it. Like, as you've alluded to the whole way through, there's a lot more to it. And, uh, it's good, at least a good opportunity to come on and, and hopefully like, especially if there's any guys that, that are listening back from in the league, that they can get a bit better understanding or the, the, the picture has been painted a little bit more detailed as, as to what you guys are doing, um, to get them on track each week. So, uh, definitely appreciate jumping on and, and giving us that insight, but let's look forward now to, Maybe give us a little bit of a rundown from the GT4 race last weekend. Um, to clue you guys in, I'm in on the podcast. Um, these these types of interviews are going to make up to three quarters of the podcast. And then before we get into each interview each week, I've been doing some race recaps. So mainly so far has just been focusing on the V8 leagues, um, which have a couple of them have started up. But obviously... The Premier Endurance League, the GT3 side of things, is going to be included in those race recaps. So, um, guys will be able to jump on, and and one of the the main reasons that I look forward to doing that is it's going to give us some different names to follow along with. So, if you give us a little bit of a race recap from from the GT4. Um, certainly mention the on track battle that you two. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we had that until, Rick cool. ran, until Rick ran me off the road. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but let's just start uh, there and we'll build on We'll build oh, on and mate, We all saw the video. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so no, you, do have, you, do, you do have the YouTube shorts up from this, but this, this oh, battle as well. As that wasn't my else. decision. Okay. There's <laughs> <laughs> only one I would probably put three, but anyway, go on. <laughs> it was a good battle. <laughs> was, yeah. And I may not ever get that chance ever again. Um, no, Rick copped it for that. Oh, I couldn't even get past Jimmy. What's wrong with you? Yeah. No, it was, a, it was a good race, good turnout. And um, I mean, uh, what do we have? Uh, uh, Coleman, Magri, and 
Dutchie uh, finished on the podium. Magri led it for quite a bit. It's it's all, it's actually the one thing you don't realise. I think you, you you do need to watch the replay afterwards to sort of actually see what happened in and around you because you're so sort of focused on. Well, I mean, for me yep. anyway, not not putting it in the wall or in the dirt. <laughs> um, but they look like they had a they had a ding dong battle. Um, I think Owen probably just managed to manage his feel a bit better and gave himself a bit of breathing space in the second spin. Rick and yeah. I had a cracking battle for I don't know how many laps we were following. It, it always feels like it's ten or fifteen laps, but it was probably only three or four. Um, and so this was at the at Magello. Magello. That's yeah. quite a it's cracking quite a, track. Cracking track, but a, a long lap as well. So I can imagine it, why in a GT4 it would feel like it went on for ten laps. Yeah, well, see, I, mean, I have the same thing with the GT3, though, Dino. So <laughs> <laughs> when you drive as slow as I do, they're all long laps. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, was good. There was a lot of battles. It was, it was, in, it was heaps pack, of battles. Um, yeah. Even um, uh, Sam Chapman, I believe it was, um, he really showed a lot of good pace. And I believe that um, he'll be making his way, you know, towards the pointy end at some point. Um. Marty Hallahan, I think, had some bad luck. I think I remember seeing him at the back, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, normally up, at least within the top 10, he's um, pretty quick. Um, I, don't know, I know you'll be incredibly embarrassed, but we need a, we need a bench oh, for yeah. Gretchen. <laughs> Poor Gretchen. Running, at, running, out of, running out of fuel at the last corner. Literally the last corner, and he didn't make it to the line. <laughs> so I think he went from... Uh, I reckon he went from like eleventh and ended up twenty second or something. The poor bugger. <laughs> oh, and I've oh, seen that. No, no you you no have to manage the fuel. No one offered him a push over the line. No, no. I, I was like, well, he's the free spot. I need all the help I can get. So I took it. <laughs> Fair enough, too. Fair enough. And oh, that, was, that certainly was the main takeaway that I had. That you know, changes to the fuel restrictions in the car certainly made it. Uh, it looks like it's a real fuel like a uh yeah fuel strategy type race that went on on the weekend so yeah, yeah that five percent yeah. made a big difference in a way especially mm. without the safety car which is the main yeah. thing really yeah yeah okay cool. i think that'll change that'll change depending on what track we go to as well because magello was yeah you, you lost about a minute in the pits there so okay. um you had to be clever about how you were doing your other other tracks you're not going to lose as much time Others you might lose more, so it does become critical. And um, I reckon it's the Porsche actually; it's got quite a small tank in it as well. So, yep, it's yeah. I mean, it, it definitely pays to go actually practice and put race stints in, so that you've got an idea of where you're at. Because you can't just you can't just go flat out the whole way through it. Yes, you've got to be sort of cunning about it. Yeah, yeah, there is some management involved even with this. Obviously, now with the the fuel being restricted further, it's um you know even more critical, especially if you don't get that safety car like we've seen happen in the last round. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of the boys um were a bit muddled up. You know, you you normally see a few names here and there, and they um had some incidents and whatnot, and or just didn't have the pace. Like you look at Benny Jeffrey, I think he didn't get a lot of time to practice. Um, he came in and he managed to, to grab seventh, I believe. I think was at mm -hmm. the end. Um, 
but he was struggling, you know. Um, Nick Wood, I think, was in the same boat. Um, well, I mean, Mark Foster. McLaren. Yeah, yeah, well, that's probably the, the main thing there. It's just to make life difficult for himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so Owen Colvin takes the win from Dan Magri and, sorry, third place was and, Andrew Dutch. Uh, Andrew Dutch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, okay, like, that's good because... Again, we're just tracking some names here that will probably come up again, um, you know, uh, as we do talk about the series each week. Um, yeah. Let's look forward Col- to the GT4. Coleman's, Coleman's just in a thick vein of form at the moment with the GT4. Yes. Uh, he's, yeah, he just, he's really well suited. I mean, he's quick in anything he drives, but. Um, Can you ban him from the Mercedes? because he's my teammate this season and i was tried with every fiber of my being to get him to drive something different but no i like my mercedes it's just i think he only owns the mercedes gt3 and gt4 i can assure assure you he owns them all because he goes out and does three laps and says no that's not as fast you you might need to do a few more laps and put a setup in it <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's, yeah, so we've had a couple of series now. So season one um, was uh, Ben Jeffrey was the champion, I believe, going back, if memory serves me correctly. Yep. Um, and Nick Wood won. Nick Wood win last season? He did, yeah. yeah. He was he was in red off form all, all through the season. Yep. So, yeah. We so the GT3 will go to Mugello as well for the two hour endurance race. Those guys are coming back again. Some of the other guys or other names that you guys feel like might be might be up there for for the series. Say say let's let's give us a few names that might uh, contend for the championship, and then a few maybe some surprise guys that you guys might have noticed from a few practice sessions. Well, um, I mean, Nick Wood's always going to feature, and like. Uh, yeah, Coleman again. He finished second in the GT3s last season. Ben Jeffrey. Um, yeah, Benny Jeffrey. Uh, Adam Scully, Jetson. Scully might. He's be pretty reliable. Yeah. yeah. And um, again, Dutch, I mean, it's, there'll be a few of the familiar faces at the front because they're, yeah. they're, they're just generally quick. So There are um, a couple of new guys yeah. that we feel might mix it up with them, um, okay. especially Stuart Shaw. Okay. Um, yeah, he's a new guy we've got coming. Um, yeah, I've noticed some pace from him. We're still yet to have the official practice um, sessions for GT3. So we'll see a clearer image then of who's yep. doing what they're doing. Um, but I think, yeah, there will be a couple of guys potentially. Can't recall the other one. Um, but they will, yeah, they'll be up there. Even um, people like Ru Kustra, he's... Um, showed some some spontaneous pace here and there you know you might find that um i don't know if you'll be able to be as strong as the other guys i hope so but um you might find there's a round or two where his, his pace is definitely up there amongst the top five at least he's um yeah got some um, capability it seems to me that he, he's limited by his car choice. Is he still driving the <laughs> yeah. McLaren? Or? I'm not going to say anything. Well, yeah, I, think the, I think he drove the Porsche for a bit last season as well. And it's like, mate, you're just a sucker for punishment, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. We don't make a... Yeah. yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's still some... 
some good balance of performance that needs to occur on some of these cars in the GT3. But you know, hopefully, we just get an updated McLaren full stop. That would be the that'd be a better. That'd be nice. Thing. I don't. I know oh, yeah. that Mark. I know that Mark Foster would be torn if that happened because he's <laughs> just. Uh, He's just stepped out of the McLaren for the first time and he's into a Porsche now. I'm actually quite happy that they tweaked the Ferrari and bumped the torque up on that a bit. So I'm looking forward to getting into that again. And, and what about yourself, Rick? What are you running this season? Oh, <laughs> um, I know everyone's going to give me a bit of black boot. The motor wagon. The BMW, did you say? BMW, yeah. If yeah. It's, Aka yeah. the the Euro Camry, I think it's called. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the boring, the boring motor wagon. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's finish off then. Um, maybe give a shout out to to the the series sponsors, and then where people can look to find the broadcast for round one that is going to be coming up. It'll be a few days after this podcast is released, so I'll make sure that I do tag it in the show notes as well. But um, yeah, give us a give a give all your sponsors a shout out. Um, and uh, and then we'll probably wrap it up because I think I think we'll be pretty much on the hour. Yeah, easy. Oh, well, look, we'll obviously, yeah, get direct, obviously. Yeah, go on. Sorry, give me yeah, go and get direct. Catch, catch up with uh, Blake for all your stimulation needs. Um, he'll look after you. Tell him we sent you. He's a yeah top bloke, and oh, all the gear he's got there is sensational. I'm well, seriously tempted to go there. Do what? My back. Yeah, and I've all, got yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, all these, oh, all these, uh, <laughs> probably <rip>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, got the, the golf sims and everything in that stop, that shop. So it's uh, when I win the Powerball tomorrow night, I'll be uh, getting myself a golf sim to go with my racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously, um, Gaming Gear Direct has the title sponsor for the GT3 series as well. And so, four, and yeah, and the GT4. Yeah. And the GT4 as yep. well. Okay. Yeah. So they've been pretty good to you guys over the last couple of seasons, haven't they? Oh, Blake's fantastic. He's yeah, awesome. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy to deal with. Um, wonderful, you know, person in general and uh, the business, you know, still represents that. Um, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Have everything you need. Make sure you hit them up and go and have a bit of a look through the website and whatnot. Yep. Um, but yeah, and we're also you I'd like to thank uh, Pred Racer as well, just coming on with us now. Um, a new addition um, with Simon helping us out and um, forming a partnership with him now. Um, mm -hmm. We've got Sudspeed on board as well, and also John Scott Motors. Um, you know, Sudspeed, um, a lot of us already know who they are. You know, they're a great bunch of guys, Richard Mayer and Chris Ruddle. Um, they've got a. Um, prototype uh series that they run and also um obviously they've got their apparel their gloves that they sell yep um, they announced they announced today it was going to be an lmp2 series i think coming up for, uh, for yes they did yes, yes. moving yeah. up from the lmp3 mm. that was one that i sort of was tempted by last year but just didn't have time for yeah yeah all of us are in a similar boat actually mm. Um, yeah, great bunch of guys there and um, their, um, their products are all able to be accessed through our channels. Um, you'll see that they're um, in our Discord, um, on our Facebook. Uh, definitely head to their, their website and, and Facebooks and Discords and whatnot as well and check everything out. Um, again, you know, great bunch of guys and they'll be happy to look after you. Their gloves are, are really 
you know, very good quality and at a pretty reasonable price you know, in comparison to other things that are out there. Uh, I know that there are um, other things on the horizon that got in place and they're, and they're you know, in, in pretty cool. Um, definitely have a look. Um, so yeah, really, you know, I want to thank those guys as well. And also um, at John Scott Motors, Kosha, a uh, good mate of mine, known for a long time um, through my work. And um, he was uh, very excited about you know, what we were doing and really wanted to, you know, come on board and that. And we said, oh, that's great. So we, um, yeah, had a little partnership with them as well. Um, if you're in the, the northern Sydney area or anywhere in the Sydney region, check them out. John Scott Motors, uh, they're uh, in the ride area from memory. Um, yeah, we really appreciate everyone's help and contributions partnerships. Yeah, yeah, we honestly just could not do it. It would not happen. Uh, it's fantastic to have that sort of support. And, and most importantly, head over to our YouTube channel, Premier Endurance League. <laughs> yeah, and make sure you subscribe. And you can, and you can, yeah, subscribe and like, and you can. Have a look at Rick running people off the road. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I really appreciate you just coming on and, and giving this a chance and, and yes. having a chat. And, you know, as the season progresses, it would be definitely cool to get you guys back in, you know, whether it's just before, like, maybe the last round, especially if there's a, a tight battle going on for the championship and maybe we can do a bit of a bit of an episode on the, um, on how the season's gone and, and, and yeah, really tip it in towards the end of the year there. So, um, yeah, once again, just appreciate it. And, and thanks very much. Not a problem. No worries, Dean. Cheers, mate. And that is it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Rick Provenzale and Jimmy Middleton, a uh, couple of characters there in the Australian iRacing community, which we are better off for having them around. So, um, thanks for your time, fellas, and that'll do it for this week's podcast. Um, if you did enjoy the show uh, and you're not subscribed, um, definitely head on to the Facebook page. Um, you'll find links through to Spotify, links to the RSS feed if you don't have Spotify, but also um, we're pending some um, last, we're pending last minute sort of verification with YouTube. So it'll be coming out via YouTube shortly. And you can also jump onto the simracinginfocus.blog website where you can sign up for the newsletter to be alerted whenever a new podcast comes out. Uh, a little bit of an update regarding the podcast. We don't have a set date. We are just trying to release the podcast within the iRacing week, uh, each week. Um, but it should hopefully be around about a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday each week. So that's pretty much all I've got for you tonight. Uh, it's bye for now.